Hi, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, Bridging the Gap, Real Estate for Women. I mean, we're the largest national company doing this. So we, I mean, we service everyone from the mom and pop, you know, to individuals who even own like a single family uh, to, you know, large corporations, REITs, you know, who are owning billions of dollars in real estate and everything in between. I'm here today speaking to Yona Weiss. Yona is a business director at Madison Specs and a leader in the national cost segregation space where he works with clients to save them many millions of dollars in taxes via cost segregation. Yona's background in teaching and his passion for real estate has propelled him to the top of his field and finding ways to help his clients in this somewhat complex area. Yona is also the host of his own podcast, Weiss Advice. Okay, so Yona, let's jump in because cost segregation, it's such a very esoteric area in the world of taxes. And it's not what I found easily understood by even the most sophisticated investors. So I want to talk all about it. Um, but first, I know that you have a really interesting backstory. And I would love to hear just a little bit about your journey and how you ended up in the world of real estate and then came to where you are today. So tell us a little about that. Thank you very much. Yeah, it is it is a quite an interesting backstory. Uh, different people will relate to it differently. But I essentially only got into real estate about five, six years ago at this point. Before that, I was uh, a teacher. Really, I, I studied uh, in what's called a yeshiva, you know, Talmudic law and things like that for about 15 years. And uh, and loved that, well, was a teacher as well. And that was really my passion. I was very involved in, in nonprofit work as well, simultaneously opened up a nonprofit to just help people who were struggling, uh, families that, you know, didn't have other sources of income, uh, you know, on hard times and things like that. So, I did a lot of work in, in fundraising as well. And at a certain point, I just didn't have you know, the income that was necessary to raise the, the family that mine had grown to. Uh, thank God I have six children at this point. And I said to myself and my wife, you know, I really need to find something else, a different kind of stream of income, if you will, something that will just be able to help us, you know, get through it and get by. And at, at that point, really, I kind of just threw it, threw it out there and, um, you know, God works in, in mysterious ways and real estate was what jumped at me and really opportunities were presented to me. And I, I literally just took them and, and had no idea really anything about real estate at the point, but had some great mentors and friends in the early uh, stage that I learned a tremendous amount. And I have, I guess, one of my hidden talents or, or maybe not so hidden at this point is that I have a, a really good ability to understand kind of complicated topics and uh, and just be able to understand them so much that to be able to teach them. And, and so I guess as, as an ability, as a, as a teacher, that's really where I got it from. And so I came across this, you know, I did a few different things in commercial mortgages at first and, and residential brokering, a few different really random things within real estate, hard money loans. And then I fell upon this company, Madison Commercial Real Estate, Madison Specs, which is the cost segregation division really. And it just spoke to me, you know, you're helping people save taxes. And at the same time, what they needed was someone to just communicate and be able to teach people about this subject, because it seemed like you said, like esoteric and was right. a complicated topic. Most people, even the most sophisticated, didn't really understand. And for me, my job basically became over the past several years, just educating people about this topic. 
Well, I really love that. And I, I said it is esoteric. And it's funny because, you know, I, I work with public pension funds. I work with individual sophisticated investors. And it was amazing to me to find that so many people were like, cost segregation? What is that? <laughs> right? And when I first heard about it, you know, it seemed also somewhat complex to me. Um, so I'm kind of curious before we get into like the nuts and bolts of what it is. So here you are, you go from being a teacher into the world of real estate and you don't know anything about cost segregation initially either, right? So did you teach this to yourself? Did someone teach it to you? How did that actually work? Yeah, I mean, I sat with, uh, with several, you know, accountants and experts at our company that have been doing it for decades and really were the real experts. And it really, for whatever reason, I, I don't have a background in accounting and really numbers, it's not my thing, right? But it seemed just so natural uh, understanding it. And yeah, I taught, my, taught myself a lot as much as I could and read up on the subject, learned as much as it was. And, and as a teacher, you know, when you just start teaching something, even if you know a little bit, but you know a lot more than the students, it's, it's easy to teach. And then you kind of build on it as it goes. And so questions come up, you research them, you get back to them with the, with the answers. And that's, and that's exactly what I did. Right. Well, I think as a teacher, you probably know this, that um, once you're forced to sit down and like either make a curriculum or give over to anybody, whether it's a group of people or one or two people, you, it really forces you to sit down and take note and say, okay, I need to own this. And in order for me to own it, how am I going to do that? So it sounds like that's something that you did. Exactly. Great. Okay. So now that we got there, this was, by the way, only five to six years ago that, that you did this? That's correct. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Because you really are, um, if anyone Googles your name, you really are an expert in the field now. So um, tell us a little bit about the benefits and what does it mean to cost segregation and a cost segregation analysis? So it's specific to real estate. And so real estate investors, whenever you buy a property besides for your personal residence, of course, any investment or business property, the IRS gives you an ability to take a deduction called depreciation, right? And it's a really interesting concept because in a lot of ways, it's like you said, it's esoteric because it's actually, it's not dependent intrinsically on the property itself uh, and the real value of the property, but depreciation. And also it's just a borrowed term. So depreciation means something going down in value, right? When you buy a car and you drive it off a lot, it's depreciated in value. And you know, any appliance, anything you buy, it depreciates. Real estate really doesn't depreciate in, in, intrinsically as much as the government claims it to. And so that's one of the amazing things that they say you're allowed to take the, a deduction of the total value of the purchase price. So when you buy a property, it doesn't matter how much it's really worth, whatever you paid for it, now you're able to deduct that. Uh, however, that deduction is over a long period of time, like over a 39-year period for commercial properties or 27 and a half for residential, including multifamily. And so that's a long time to kind of take a little bit of that deduction every single year. What cost segregation does, it's an engineering study of the property, breaking down the components of the property into different depreciation uh values or, or different schedules, different lengths of time that certain components will depreciate. And so it actually used to be called component depreciation, which makes a lot more sense than, than cost segregation because we're segregating the cost, that overall cost that you bought it for, you're now segregating that into different categories instead of what really what it is, is just depreciating all the individual components 
differently. So, you know, the structural components, really that's all that depreciates on a 27 hour, 39 year schedule. So the walls, the roof, the doors, windows, floor, all that structural stuff, that's what's going to depreciate. And when we say depreciate, meaning you can take that tax deduction over that longer period of time. Again, doesn't mean intrinsically depreciating because it's actually probably going up in value, uh, especially if you're looking at the markets today. But there are other things inside the property like uh, personal property, you know, furniture, fixtures, equipment, lighting, you know, anything, cabinet, anything that's non-structural, all that stuff actually depreciates on a five-year schedule, meaning you can take the value of all those individual components and take those deductions at a much faster rate. And so that's the, and there are other categories as well, but in a nutshell, that's the, the strategy of cost segregation is by allocating different depreciation deductions to faster years, you can actually take a much bigger tax deductions in the early years of ownership. So practically, tell me how that works. So every part of everything that's in the property, right? So any appliance, furniture, you're saying, all of that will depreciate and you can take that as a deduction. So practically, let's just keep the numbers really simple, right? Um, I, I buy a house for $100,000, obviously not possible, but let's just say, and now I have, I bought uh, fixtures and furniture and appliances for $5,000. What is depreciable here? It's actually interesting. What we're doing is the, the way that you described is actually much easier because when you buy a property and let's say it's totally vacant and then you go ahead and then buy furniture and, and stuff like that after the fact, well, you know exactly how much that furniture costs and you can depreciate that separately. What the real process of conservation is buying a, a property with everything included in it and then being able to kind of reverse engineer and assign values to all those individual components. And so that's what our engineers, and it is an engineering uh, study that we come in and look at and we say, okay, there are, you know, there's 3000 square feet of carpeting. Okay. Well, how much is the carpet worth per square foot? Because you bought the property, this hundred thousand dollars, it included everything in it. So now we have to allocate these different costs to all of those components and say, well, the structure really is only worth, you know, $70,000. And so the rest of the $30,000 has to fit into all the other things, the landscaping and the, you know, the cabinets and the furniture, et cetera, everything. And so that's really the job. Wow. Okay. So that's what, what you're actually doing when you come in. Is that Correct. it? So what is the best time then for a property investor to conduct the cost segregation study? Is it right away when they purchase? It can be. And the great thing about it, it's a tax strategy. So really whenever a person can benefit the most from the, the, this tax deduction, this tax strategy, that's when it's going to be the best time to do it. So it, it, most people like to get it done in the first year of ownership because you want to get those benefits as soon as possible. However, for some people, it may not be uh, the right move for them. They can actually wait and get it done at a later point. And you can actually do this retroactively on, on properties you've owned for a number of years and just been doing regular straight line depreciation. You can go back without amending your tax returns. You can actually go back and recoup and kind of retroactively catch up whatever depreciation you missed that you could have taken. So in other words, you could carry over these deductions for a time when it makes sense when you have income, in other words. Exactly. Correct. So yeah, there may be a certain point where you, you know, you're going to expect maybe next year or two years from now, a large capital event where you could better use those deductions. That's going to be more strategically a good time to get it done. Wow. Okay. So now a lot of investors, especially if they're public pension funds are more of the passive investor, right? Do they get 
some sort of benefit from this? How would that work? Usually when you have, you know, a group of, uh, you know, investors coming together, each, each person or each um, entity, you know, LP, whatever you want to call it, limited partner in that investment will get the depreciation to them allocated according to their percentage of ownership. So if you have, uh, you know, the total property gets, you know, X amount of depreciation deductions that will be split up and that will flow through on a K-1 tax form to yeah. each individual investor, whether it's a, you know, a fund or, you know, an individual. Okay. But I guess the, the owner of the, of the property, the actual purchaser has to actually go through this process, right? And, and allocate correctly in order for it to be, to, to flow down, right? To all the various passive investors. Am I saying that right? Yeah, well, I mean, the owner of the of the property or the owner, of the, you know, the general partner, whoever's running the deal, we usually know how much equity or how much, um, you know, each each entity that's invested together, uh, each ownership amount that they will own. So if uh, you know if you have ten investors and each one owns you know ten percent, then each one will get you know ten percent of the income uh, or whatever their returns are supposed to be, plus ten percent of the total depreciation. Okay. So, you know, now that you're like explaining this, and by the way, you are such a good teacher because you've explained this in such a easy to understand and so digestible way that I'm like completely getting it now. Whereas before I <laughs> understood it, but now I'm like, oh, of course this makes perfect sense. Um, so now I'm kind of wondering because I, I'm curious as to what you're seeing, but a lot of my um, public fund clients are not taking advantage of this. Or are you seeing that? You know, if they are investing passively, all right, and putting money into different funds or, or whatever, it may, you know, it really depends on the, like you said, the owner or right. the whoever it is that is doing that. Now, there may be certain, there are certain limitations. Uh, I, I should say that it's not necessarily going to be beneficial for everyone and every type of investor. And that may be part of the reason why some people aren't involved or, or don't take advantage of this. And one of those reasons is that. Um, certain type of investment funds, if they already have kind of tax shelters and things like that, um, like for example, retirement funds, I know, for example, like IRA funds, whatever, you cannot, they're already a tax shelter. You can't benefit from the depreciation because they're mm -hmm. already being tax shelters. So that may be part of the reason. Um, I know different REITs have different structures where they're limited to how much depreciation they can actually take. Um, and so even though we work with a lot of REITs, but some of them, you know, there's a different tax structure involved there. So who are um, the bulk of your clients? Are they just um, individual investors with many properties? I mean, what, what are you finding? Who comes to you for this service? I mean, we're the largest national company doing this. So we, I mean, we service everyone from the mom and pop, you know, to individuals who even own like a single family uh, to, you know, large corporations, REITs, you know, who are owning billions of dollars in real estate and everything in between. So it can be done on office, industrial, retail, self-storage. We work with one of the largest self-storage REITs in the country that send us, you know, a couple hundred properties a year. Um, and so that really it can be done by anyone and we happily service, uh, you know, we did, for example, in 2021, over 5,000 uh, studies. So we definitely have the capacity to service anyone. Wow. Okay. So now explain to me, if you don't mind, what happens if you're, you're listening to the show and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I haven't been doing this as I'm sure so many people are saying that. Um, can I jump right in? I know you said there is carryover. So how exactly would that practically work? 
can I retroactively go through all of my properties and do this? Yeah, it can be done on any property. Like I said, it can be done on, on new acquisitions or it can be done uh, retroactively. Let's say you owned a bunch of properties over a number of years uh, and you were just straight line depreciating. Everyone knows what depreciation is and every accountant just takes what we call straight line, which means just taking it in the purchase price, taking a, a small amount for land off and then depreciating over a 39 year period, just taking an equal tax deduction every year. And we were like, well, wait a second, I can get more upfront. Well, yeah, we can do this by filling a form. Practically speaking, there's a tax form called a 3115, 3115, and that allows you to uh, catch up, change your accounting method going forward, uh, which allows you to get on the cost segregation uh, method of depreciation and catch up whatever depreciation you could have missed. So for example, let's say on a, a million dollar property, you could take 20% of that at a faster tax deduction. So that means you could take, you know, 200,000 over a five-year period, as opposed to just a regular straight line deduction would have just gotten you about $30,000 a year. So you've been taking $30,000, been very happy with that. But you're like, wait a second, I could take more deductions. Five years ago, you know, let's say you bought this property, you're like, well, what happened? I can now go back, take that $200,000 that I could have taken, and then take that this year as a lump sum. This is really like a lifesaver for a lot of investors. It really is. It really is. It's, it's a game changer. It really has helped. I mean, I've helped thousands of people save, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. It's, it's just incredible. It is incredible. So just um, backtrack for me for a moment, um, because I know that with um, commercial buildings, there's a depreciation over the 39 years for multifamily is 27 and a half. Just tell us a little about that. You know, I don't know what the reasoning for that is. You know, it's, <laughs> right? it's strange. It seems like yeah. such a long time. <laughs> right. But but also like where the IRS get these numbers from, it's like they just decided, oh yeah, this office building is going to last longer than uh, multifamily. The, you know, the only thing that I can think, you know, maybe just to give some, some logic behind it. And in general, like what's the deal with the conservation in general? What's the deal with depreciation that the IRS gives you a deduction? People want to say that, and, and I read this in, Tom Wheelwright's uh, book, Tax-Free Wealth, a uh, great book, by the way, if anyone wants to learn about real estate and, and taxes in general, he says that it's uh, the whole tax system or the tax code is just an incentive system. And so you have uh, ways that the government has created different types of deductions because they want to incentivize people to do certain types of businesses and certain type of investments. And so they're able to give you tax benefits based on that. And if you think about it, real estate is a huge part of the economy, especially when you consider you know, multifamily, like everyone needs a place to live. And it's, you know, it's just a growing uh, form of, of housing is multifamily. And uh, you know, less people are, are buying their own residences, more people are renting, and that's just, that's just growing. So they want to you know, incentivize people to, or, or I guess owners, investors to buy more and to, you know, to update them and to make it better, make better communities for people. And, and that helps, you know, th those communities or those markets, those cities that are growing in population to have, you know, good places, good communities to live in. Right. Well, essentially real estate investors are providing a really important service with, with housing, correct? So because of that, they, they, they should get some sort of benefit. Um, and I think that's what you're saying. And I think the cost segregation um, adds a whole other layer that I think really needs to be addressed because 
it's so powerful in making a change to your income because you know a lot of people have the misconception i think that you know real estate investors they're all so rich and they're all doing so well and it's just so easy you know they sit and they can do nothing all day and money's rolling in and that's really not true for anyone who's an investor it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of struggle and i think that this is is a benefit that really it makes it, you know, so much more attractive, especially with the idea of carry through for the years that you're not making money. And anyone who's invested again knows that there are hard times where things don't go so well. So the idea that you have this option to save your depreciation for when you're doing a little better, really, it's just, it just makes the whole process of investing so much more doable. For sure. And I think what you said is so important in terms of the misconception about real estate investors or owners. And, right. you know, I'm sure there are some slumlords out there. Uh, I don't know any personally. And I, I you know, <laughs> but we try not to know them, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you pick and choose who you know, who you're friends with. But, you know, it's it's gotten such a bad rap. I mean, you look just in the past couple of years with these, um, you know, eviction moratoriums and things like that. I, I work with a um, an attorney also based in New York who runs a nonprofit organization called Under One Roof. And what they're focused on is helping um, landlords, real estate owners, who the majority are individuals, mom and pops, you know, people who own like one or two or three, you know, investment properties, so which are businesses. And they're just being thrown under the bus trying to say that, well, oh no, you don't, um, now you can't get get paid for doing your business, which is housing, just because, you know, people decide they don't want to pay rent. Uh, you, you wouldn't imagine such a thing happening, like telling, a, you know, a grocery store owner, oh, sorry, uh, people can take your food now and you don't have to, you can't collect money on it. Nothing to do about it, right. <laughs> you have to provide your service, but you can't get paid for it. Uh, and, you know, so that just doesn't make sense to me. So that's a big misconception. And I think you're absolutely right. The tax incentives behind it just make it even better. Yeah, I think that's true. So, Yona, you seem like a person who is uh, not happy to stand still and always evolving. So I feel like this is not, you know, the end of the road for you, cost segregation. It sounds like it will always be something you do because you seem to really um, enjoy it um, and you're good at it. But tell me, like, what else do you envision for yourself in the next coming years? You're absolutely right. I, I really do love what I do. And it's a testament to the company I work for. I mean, I could not do anything without what they do, because really, you know, they do all of the, the real hard work, you know, kind of like the face of the business, you know, business development and, and things like that and helping people save taxes. I mean, it, besides for anything else, it's made me a lot of friends. Let's just, let's just put it that way. Right. When you, when you, when you save someone like millions of dollars, they, they like you a they lot. Like so, you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but through this, you know, just being involved in the industry, I have uh, gotten involved in real estate investing myself. Uh, I started before and I really didn't have a good good time doing it, really had not, not, a, not much success. But because of just the network that I've grown over the past few years, it's allowed me to open up uh, opportunities. And that's really what my, I think one of the next steps for me is to be more heavily involved on the, uh, on the investment side of things, um, from capital raising to, to other types of ownership roles within uh, within commercial real estate. Okay. So then I have to ask, like, where do you think uh, things are going in light of everyone, uh, in light of us knowing that interest rates are going up? So where do you think the, the market's going to go? You know, I'm, I'm not a, uh, not a psychic, right? <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to guess where things are going to go, but real estate and especially multifamily specifically and other commercial have always 
been a uh, a great long-term investment. And you know, everyone, depending on the market, depending on interest rates and all things that have always been the case, uh, you know, you adapt and you figure out what works. Right. And and maybe, you know, maybe the cash flow is not the right way to to play it as it has been the past few years. Maybe a different, you know, maybe just the tax advantages of it or the appreciation and things like that are different kind of investment strategies. So I think it will always be a great asset class to invest in. Something which surprisingly is, I mean, not as well known as other types of investments, but I think that's changed a lot over the past few years. And I think it will continue to change. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, something I always tell my children, if you can't go in the front door, you know, open a window and get in that way. And I think that's really where I see the uh, trajectory for real estate in, in light of inflation and in light of what's going to be going on in the next couple of months and years, because I think there's always opportunity. Um, but the people that just want to walk through the door, they might not be able to do it anymore. It's going to be those that say, all right, I'm going to go through the back door or I'm going to open a window. Those are the people that are going to stay. And they're the people that are going to really be successful and continue to be successful. Could have said it better myself. Yeah, absolutely. And the opportunity, there's always opportunities. Just you got to be, uh, got to be able to find it. Absolutely. So you're going to tell um, our audience where they can find you, because I think a lot of people will want to. I mean, best place to reach out to me is on LinkedIn. That's actually very, very active on the platform. Uh, you can go to yonaweiss.com as well. Uh, website will tell you a lot about what I do, including the cost segregation and, uh, or madisonspecs.com. That's our company's website. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation for me. Like I said, it was just the way you um, were able to simplify it that I really loved because I feel like I totally understand something that I only sort of understood. <laughs> so I, I love that. I love to learn new things as well. So thank you so much. And thanks for coming on and educating everyone. Thank you for having me. This was great.